Welcome to Grace 360, a vibrant discussion on issues of diversity that we hope is engaging, biblical, and slightly entertaining. The goal of these podcasts is to create a healthy, honest, and helpful discussion for Christian educators, parents, and students from a biblical perspective on current cultural issues relating to diversity. Diversity, for our purposes, is related to the acrostic grace, gender, race, age, ability, culture, and economic status. While we don't have all the answers, we hope our discussion is thought-provoking and helpful. Welcome to Grace 360. Welcome back. I'm really excited about today's podcast for a few reasons. One is that we have tried to stay away from each other in this discussion before the podcast to hopefully learn about our own opinions together with you as we record. So today we want to have a discussion about many things that are going on in society at large in the United States. And we want to start with the topic of monuments in regards to the monuments that people are saying need to come down, the fight to keep some monuments up. And so we want to just have a discussion of what do we think about monuments, the historical piece of why we have them, um, and whether they need to stay or whether they need to go. So I'm just going to open it up for everybody to just jump in. I think my first thought on monuments, this is coming from a white guy from up north. When I came down to the south, I didn't know there were so many Confederate monuments that were up in different places. And I always wondered why. I always wondered why we put up monuments, right, to Confederate leaders and heroes, right, when the Confederacy was a rebellion against the United States, right, to defend slavery. And so, you know, I I had to learn from um, all of my Southern friends um, that the Civil War was, you know, the war of aggression from the North, the war against the states, it was for states' rights. And there's a whole rewriting of history, right, that I didn't know about. And so it's a very interesting conversation, I think, because it kind of brings up kind of your cultural awareness on what you think about these different things, not just should we get rid of monuments or should, you know, should we have history, good and bad, all the different things, but really, I mean, it it kind of brings out your perception of, you know, the South, the Civil War, uh, all those different things. Uh, And I think it was very interesting for me because I think my perception of it was very different uh, than a lot of people's perception of it when I came down to the South. And so that's one of the things that I'm kind of interested in as I'm listening and learning to people defend particular monuments I'm, you know, kind of paying attention to that part of the conversation. So I'd like to hear from, you know, you guys, what, what, are, what are your initial reactions to it and thoughts on it too? So before I, I'm sorry, I should have done this in the beginning. I should have introduced that we have a guest with us today. Yay! Our, our alum, Antoinette Iroko. She is headed off to Howard University. I'm so excited to have her since um, she's headed to law school. We figured, you know what? She's young. She's not old like us. She has a perspective that maybe we don't have. So we need to invite her into this conversation about monuments and everything else going on in um, our society. So and Antoinette, Antoinette's been on the podcast before. She has. Yeah, so when cool. we had the alumni when she was there. Now, for those of you who are only listening... Right, we're actually doing this uh, via Zoom, and we're we're seeing everybody. And the thing that you can't see um, is Antoinette's name tag on her forehead. So, Antoinette, thank you for for doing that, so that we can all get a good laugh out of this. For those of you listening, you're you're missing the uh, the great uh, yes. just levity that Antoinette brings to the conversation. So, with with that in mind, Antoinette, what are your thoughts on the monuments? Um, When it comes to monuments, I think that a lot of the arguments against tearing down uh, Civil War monuments 
is that, you know, we can't erase history um, and just because we don't like a certain aspect of history that we can't erase it, but um, removing a monument um, that is um, celebrating a person who fought for the institution of slavery is in no way the same as removing that history from education or from a history book. Um, I think that we can learn about these things, we can learn about the Civil War and the people who fought on either side of it, um, but building a monument for a specific person is glorifying that aspect of history. And so we have to be careful about what aspects of our history that we choose to glorify. Um, and in this case, we just should not, <laughs> we should not glorify people who um, owned other people and who were willing to risk their lives to defend that. I guess it throws me to the question, one of the things that I've been struggling with is why do we have monuments? What, what is the purpose of a monument in our society? To memorialize. The good and the bad, or just well, the good, or? My, my thoughts on it is, if we did a better job, like trying to look at it from a objective, looking at both sides of the argument, I feel like if we did a better job of teaching the whole truth of history, we wouldn't feel this like, there wouldn't be such a, uh, a feeling or this like gut-wrenching response to like have to destroy. I think there could be a place where people could, now this is just talking about monuments in general. When it comes to like the Civil War, uh, the Confederate, like that's just, you, first off you lost, so you don't get a monument for losing. But this isn't a, all participants get a trophy game, like we lost. Uh, and in losing, right, I'm hoping that part of what we have admitted to was that what part of what was being fought for was not like we don't believe in as a nation. Uh, and many people would attest that. So it, to me, it only makes sense that we'll remove those. But in terms of, you know, some of the other side, you know, we think about Abraham Lincoln and some of these other monuments with our founding fathers where there's just like nuance where people are like, oh, but they did this good thing. But then there's also like this other side of their story that, you know, we've since found out. Um, and immediately, like one of the thoughts that I had in processing this is like, um, I think about like the statues and monuments um, that have been created or the statues that have been created. And really they're like seen more now as like pieces of art than they are like monuments, but of like King David. And it's like, as awesome of a man of God as King David was, we also know full and well from his story that he's got incredible baggage. And like, I ain't just call it baggage. Like he did some heinous things, right? Like you took a man's wife, you had him killed on the front line. You like, you know, like there, like there was some uh, very, very hard stuff in his story, as with many other leaders. But one of the things that the Bible does so well is it gives us the whole truth of every character that we're, we're able to, at the point of meeting them, we get to interact with all of who they are, the good and the bad, and we're able to assess them like humans. And I think part of the, part of the problem when it comes to a lot of American heroes is they've almost been deified as like these flawless individuals who haven't had this baggage, who has not come with Right. We, we hide the part about, you know, some of the, you know, their dabblings in slavery or some of their other views or some of the things that aren't necessarily written in the books. 
And so now when people find out about it, they feel like they've been lied to. And now you feel like you either have to believe this narrative or you have to believe this narrative. And the reality is both sides are true. It is true that Abraham Lincoln, you know, was a huge proponent in, you know, bringing about the Emancipation Proclamation. But it is also true that he still had a very flawed view of people of color. And it's like we need to, we need to be able to wrestle with the breadth of that rather than just picking one or the other. And I don't I don't think our our educations as American as Americans has served us well and being able to do that upon encountering our heroes. You know, the first thing we've got to remember is something that I do with my kids throughout the year. And um, T, you might remember this, remembering since you sat in my classroom. Um, we have to remember that all of us are sinners. That, first of all, keeps me humble. It keeps me from being up on a pedestal. Um, T, I don't know if you remember or not, but I oftentimes ask in one way or the other, what makes you think? How many of you all would be, I asked the kids along the lines, the, the, the rhetorical question, because I want them to think about it. I don't want them to answer it out loud. You know, if you had lived in the 1800s, where you live right now, how many of you would have been okay with slavery? And if I let them answer out loud, every one of them is going to say, no, I wouldn't be okay with slavery. We have to be careful judging the past using our 20th century and our 21st century eyes and sensibilities. There's that thing in history, in history it's the historical skill of contextualization. You have to know the backstory, right? Let's be honest. If, if most of us that are on this podcast right now, right, at least maybe three of us that, had been on this, that are in this podcast right now, if we had lived in the 1800s and we lived in Texas, chances are we would have been okay with slavery. So first of all, we've got to realize that all, every person that's walked this earth except for Jesus Christ has been a sinner. That's got to keep me humble. It keeps me from getting up on a pedestal that I have no business being on, right? Secondly, why was the monument put up? Because if we're going to take down monuments for every person that had a failing, we're going to take down every single monument and statue that's ever been put up, right? So, you know, um, I'm going to go down a road that some people are afraid to go down, but, you know, I might get fired for this one. So here we go. Are you ready? Why do we have a monument to Dr. King in Washington, D.C.? Do we have a monument up for him because he was an imperfect man? Or do we have a monument for him in Washington, D.C. because he repeatedly reminded all of us, including himself, that we are all brothers and sisters under the fatherhood, as Dr. Um, Robert George of Princeton likes to say, we're all brothers and sisters under the fatherhood of God. And that as such, we should treat each other with dignity and with respect. And that I should be willing to extend to others what I demand for myself. Right. So we've got to be careful. Now, historically, as a nation, we've been tearing down statues since the, the start of our independent history. In July of 1776, we tore down a statue of George III. And we yep. melted it down and turned it into bullets. So we've been, we've been tearing down statues from the very beginning of American history. So let's not get all uppity about people tearing statues down. Now, should it be done the way that it's being done? Probably not. Right? That purposely incites the people that want the statue to remain. So why, especially as believers, we as believers should be approaching this radically different than the world, right? Why should we as believers purposely go out and poke the bear instead of doing what we're called to do? Sit down, have a conversation where we understand we might not always agree, but discuss why was the statue put up 
what are we glorifying? So when you talk about these statues that were put up for the lost cause after the Civil War in the South, why was the statue put up? Why, is it that, why are there statues to Confederate generals? And I could name someone specifically, Nathan Bedford Forrest, who everyone knows from Forrest Gump because he used to run around at night in his bed sheets, right? But if you do an actual study of Nathan Bedford Forrest, Nathan Bedford Forrest was the man that led Confederate troops at the Fort Pillow Massacre in Tennessee, where they massacred black soldiers in Union uniforms or that were fighting for the Union. Right? This is a man who went on to be a founding member of the Klan. And okay, yeah, many people argue that the Klan was just a social group. Are you kidding me? He was a grand wizard of the Klan. Why, are we put, why did they put up a statue of Nathan Bedford Forrest? So we need to look at why the statue was put up. Right? Otherwise, we're going to be tearing down statues all over the place. I mean, if we're going to tear down statues of, of, of slaveholders, then we need to tear down statues of, Elmo, of every commonly known founding father with the exception of John Adams. That means Ben Franklin is coming down too. You know, so I'm not saying that we don't need to take down statues. I think we need to start with why was the statue put there? You know, it's the Chesterton thing. Before we remove a fence, maybe we should consider why it was put there to begin with. And if there's not a valid reason for it to be there, then maybe we, then it needs to come down. Now, should we destroy it or should we put it in a museum where it can be presented with context? Right. And, that, right. But and those are those... questions for us to ask. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's the point, right? I, I think that the idea and the thing that we get lost in, right, is all of a sudden we get a mob out there and they're tearing down statues. It would be great if we could step back from it and, and begin to actually have a conversation, right? Let's look at this statue. Let, let's look at this yes. person. I mean, Cindy, your concept of, Right. If, if you were in the 1700s, would you have owned slaves? Right. It's a great place to start. There's a book I read um, called Eva Volk, and it was, it was asking Christians the same question. You know, if you were if you were a Christian uh, in Germany in the you know 1930s, right? Would you have thought you know Hitler was crazy? And the answer is, well, no. A, a lot of Christians jumped on board Hitler. True. Right. But but the reality is, right after right Hitler loses, right? You didn't see Germany sticking up statues of him. Mm -hmm. Right, so so you have this concept of like, yeah, there are probably a lot of monuments and a lot of statues that we could legitimately ask questions about and just say, no, that's not a legitimate person, right? That we want to in our nation's history uh, put a monument to, but we're also not saying that that person is perfect. We're also not mm -hmm. saying that that person person doesn't have things, right? You know, and so we could put up a monument from a founding father who was a slave owner, but yet that particular individual. Right, represents a time and a place, right, where they did something significant from the nation's history. We're not saying they're perfect, but mm -hmm. does that mean we keep every Civil War, you know, monument? The answer is no. These are right. different conversations that we need to have. Right, right? and then and to throw out the baby with the bathwater, right, is stupid. To be discerning, mm -hmm. reasonable individuals and ask these conversations and have this, right, ask these questions and have this conversation would be a fantastic place to begin. But this might be a little bit, if it's not so intellectual remark, but haven't we been having these arguments for years and it isn't until the mob started tearing down the statues that we actually started saying, okay, hold still, let's have it. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, but the problem is, where do you stop the mob mentality? 
I agree with that, but I do think that there's this there's this frustration that's been built up for generations. Oh, absolutely, that absolutely. Have been trying to have this dialogue that has not been going anywhere. I mean, you take the Redskins. I remember us having a discussion about the Redskins probably eight or nine, ten years ago. Right. And now, because of everything going on, are they actually willing to change the name? Right. Because when Daniel Snyder bought the Redskins, the one thing he said was, "We'll never change the name." Never right? say never. And, and, but, but that's the point I think that Jenny's trying to make too, right? If mm-hmm. you have people in power, right, that start with, hey, we'll never bring down the statue. Hey, we'll never change the name. Hey, we'll never do this. Hey, we'll never do that, right? Then what happens is, right, the mob begins to come in, right, and rushes through and, and you know, takes down every monument. Everybody has to change every name. And there isn't any reason. There isn't any discernment, right? So, like, you know, to, 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 Mar- to Marcus, right, <laughs> he's sitting over there going, yeah, right? It's that, it's that concept of yeah if you want to be reasonable and intelligent when somebody hands you power when you buy the football team when you become the mayor of the city that has the statue that's the imperative part of why i put you why a person put you into power was to say hey we need to have these you know conversations and then we need to do something otherwise there will come a time and there will come a point where the mob does the job for you right are they going to do it perfectly no they're going to do surgery with a chainsaw right so if you have a scalpel and you want to use it you better pull it out yeah, we'll become exactly. the, yeah, you become the monster that you're trying to fight, right? And, many, yeah. and that's the whole thing. Power and politics, if it's not tempered, if it's not guided by truth, first of all, and I'm talking truth with a capital T, right. we can go down that road because now we're at the point where as a society, as a nation, we're defining truth differently, right? But as believers, since that's our focus here, every conversation needs to be guided by truth, and reason right did the did the mob the 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 tearing down the statue the yelling and the screaming finally get some people's attention yes it did but this to a certain extent this was the difference between dr king and mahatma gandhi on one side and malcolm x on the other right people would listen to dr king and people would listen to mahatma gandhi because they were not quote unquote mob mentality they were very much into protesting. They were willing to be arrested. They were willing to pay the price. But when you had Malcolm X on the other side yelling and screaming, you shoot a bullet at me, I'm going to shoot one at you. I'm going to shoot one back at you. People were shutting that off. Right? So it, as Dan was saying, and I think I said it earlier, we need, if we're our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And I'm, and I'm, I'm I'll, I'll get back to that in a minute. But if we're fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to treat each other with the dignity of that. And even if we're dealing with people that are not brothers and sisters in Christ, they're still image bearers. And as such, they are deserving of that same dignity. And that means that I don't yell, scream, or holler. It means I try to reason. I understand that I am a flawed individual just like they are. I understand that we're not all going to come to the same point. I'm trying not to let my personal view get involved in this, right? But if you want my honest opinion, some of those statues should never have been up and we need to take them down. I don't think we need to destroy them, though. I think we need to put them in a museum where we can provide context. And context, for those of you that aren't, that are listening to this, that aren't savvy with the historical lingo, contextualization is a historical thinking skill that the closest thing that I could use to describe it for you is the backstory. For those of you that are Star Wars fans, it's those, that rolling storyline that they run at the start of every Star Wars movie I have managed to stay awake in. 
right? Because I'm usually asleep 10 minutes into the movie. I'm sorry, I'm not a Star Wars fan, but I know that a lot of you all are. More power to you. My not being in the theater means there's another seat for a Star Wars fan there, right? But that's what context is. You've got to understand the backstory to a historical event, right? You got to understand the context behind why that individual is revered by some people and why he probably shouldn't be up in a public space. And that's why I came back to, that's why I started with why was the statue put up to begin with? And then we have to think about how it, how it appears to our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, words matter. All of us are good on that one. Words matter. Symbols matter as well. You know, if I put, it, not me, because I would never do it, but if someone slaps a swastika up in my classroom, that's sending a message. And it's going to invoke a reaction from me, hopefully a response, because those are two different verbs, reaction and response. But it's, it's going to provoke something. Right? Yep. So how I approach this, how I treat people that are on the other side of the argument is going to go a long way. But we all have to be willing to listen. And Dan, you, may, you said that. We have to be intellectually honest in that. It, I guess it just amazes me that it's 2020. Sorry. It's 2020. And we are just now discussing the Mississippi state flag. Like, it's been discussed for a long time, but it took this mob rule to actually bring it to the forefront, because when you talk about the flag with the swastika, you know, we have the Mississippi State flag. It's not much mm -hmm. different. <laughs> right. Well, the, the, I agree. The, but it's not like this is the first time they've, they've talked about removing the former Confederate flag from the Mississippi State flag. They did this in South Carolina when... Um, Yes. What was her name? What's her, what is her name? She, oh, she's Haley. still with us. Haley. Nikki Haley was the governor of South Carolina. She said, we're taking it down because symbols matter. It sends a message, right? So it can be done without tearing things down and without tearing things apart. What you need is the right type of leader. And the right type of leader is one that will listen to the other side as well. And that's part of the problem. In 2020, we don't listen to learn. We listen to argue. So can I, I want to I chime in because I, while I, I think I agree, but then I also have like, at the very least, like a sympathy for like a different narrative. Because at, at the same time, I, I do think that there is, like there, there's there's merit in, right? Like the like we talk about Dr. King's um, peaceful protest approach and all these things. But then, like in that same light, like how many people like are watching Hamilton on Disney Plus, and we like are celebrating and like hoorah the revolution and what allowed for us to get the independence we did. And there were a lot of things that led up to the American Revolution that they weren't just peacefully protesting against mm -hmm. the king. You know what I'm saying? Like there was there was a lot of you know I would say like uh, violent acts that kind of brought about in pieces where we eventually get up to a whole war. But like I I'm I'm always pressed to ask, and I think part of my contention because I'm I'm with you. Like I I want to be able to sit and reason, and I want we need to be able to sit and talk, and we need to have conversations. Um, but one, it takes it takes two people to be at the table for there to be a conversation. And I think kind of to what Jenny had pointed out, like for so long, 
it hasn't really been. It's just been a monologue, um, and rather mm-hmm. than it's been a conversational. But then two is um, the the care that's given when 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 I when I'm trying to have a conversation with people who have more care and reverence for the broken rubble than they do for the broken bodies mm-hmm. that have incited the broken rubble. Um, to me, I feel like part of like what has to help open people's eyes. Of like when I'm talking to people um, and there's this you know, we, we're having a conversation about the lives that are being lost. And there's like, yeah, you know, but X, Y, Z, da, 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 da. And then a statue falls. And then there's like this, this like unbelief, this like, this, you know, touch. And, it, and, and part of me is like, how does, how does that touch someone more than the loss of a life? And I, and, Agreed. and for for me, like it's it's that dynamic. Whereas, like you know, I we can sit down and have a conversation, and even like I opened up with, like I do think that there are, to your point, like there are points where, hey, like just every person who's ever made a mistake, if we like you said, if we're gonna get rid of those statues, then we get rid of all of them. And then I really liked your point about you know putting them in a museum and being able to, because my biggest thing is like you said, providing the context for it. But I think in ter- like in terms of just like the what's happening i feel like a lot of the conversation has treated it as if it's this like unbelievably like foreign how could anyone ever fathom to do such a thing and honestly like i'm like i don't think it takes too much processing rather we rather you agree with how it happens or what's that what like i don't think it like it doesn't take a lot to at least be able to understand like I get how someone could get fed up to the point to where they would want to do something like this. Uh, like that, that, that if I'm not heard after so long and we're continuing, continuously, continuously, continuously coming up to, with the same things. I mean, I saw a video of some people protesting uh, next to, what, what is that? It's like a big, like, like uh, what is it? Uh, what is it called? It's not, is it Stone Mountain? Yes, in Georgia. Yeah, with the big, like, engraving on the side. Mm-hmm. Like, like, what do you do with that? You blast it off the side of the mountain. Not Rushmore. Yeah, I'm serious. But, you know, like, it's like that. <laughs> like, th- those are, like you say, the symbols mean something. Um, and I feel like the response to some of the symbols like are loudly saying saying something as well of like man we're we're done with playing patty cake with this issue that our country should have eliminated a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You um, know and what it, it wasn't it Dr. King it was Dr. King who said that violence I think he said violence I think the word he used is violence violence is the language of the unheard. You know so I'm not you know I'm not saying that 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 the people that have done that mob thing haven't gotten people's attention it's absolutely gotten people's attention and attention that needed to be gotten. Right. My concern is where does it stop? You know yeah. there an elk statue in Portland the other day what did the little elk do it's a statue of an elk <laughs> you know where does it stop 
you know, that's my whole thing. Um, and maybe it's because as a historian, I see where that mob mentality went in France with the French Revolution, where there was blood running through the streets of Paris and the people that the revolution supposedly had been started for were, became the number one victim. You know, and other incidences in history, that would probably be the best well, the most well known. Um, you know, so we should start renaming things. You know, the Pettus Bridge, why don't we name that? Why not rename it? You know, but then we get to things such as there's a very famous university, private university here in the state of Texas, named after a man who was the founder of the university. He was a slaveholder. Do we rename Princeton University? Well, we can't name, rename Princeton University, but do we rename everything with Wilson's name on it, on campus? He was an outright racist. But did he do something good for Princeton? He made it a first-class university. So do, you know, again, back to my original question, why was the statue put up? You know, but, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. Yeah, yeah, Antoinette, answer all those questions. Hit it, kid, because well, we need to hear from you. And, and one thing I do wanted to answer is that, you know, as we discuss this, um, that always what we're thinking of, okay, is how does this apply for our students? Mm -hmm. What does it look like for our students going in the classroom? How do teachers handle these discussions well? And so, Antoinette, Will you answer that for us? How do you, how do you think that, um, you know, what, what would you like to see in a classroom in regards to these discussions? Um, I do think that, Miss D, what you were saying about context is so important. Um, when you have something in a, mo in a monument format, there's less of a chance to give the background and the history about it, um, which brings my mind to the uh, statue of Thomas Jefferson in the Smithsonian, um, the National African American History Museum. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a statue of him, but behind him is this stack of bricks with the names of every person that he enslaved behind it, yes. um, which is like a, a striking visual, especially because then the plaque says that like he was also um, related to some of these people because of his um, because he was, you know, raping his slaves. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that context is super important and, you know, I'm kind of, kind of on more of the train, like just take them down and like, it's, it's fine, you know, but I do, um, like thinking more about, you know, putting them in a museum or, or place where the historical context could be, um, further discussed. Um, and then when it comes to, you know, conversations in the classroom, I do think like challenging students to look into um, why the monuments were built in the first place is super important um, because um, it, it'll be shocking to a lot of people to find out that many of these monuments were not, you know, they're not, they're not super old. They're, um, they were built within the last um, few decades and, and that was on purpose. And I think that's something that you have to challenge the kids to think about. Um, and then moving forward, I think just, you have to have more, um, you have to be more thoughtful about how we're naming things. And, you know, even, you know, here on this campus, we have buildings named after people. And, you know, we always just have to be cognizant of what message we're presenting to people. Um, and then you, you know, you talked about mobs and where those, like where it ends. I think you mentioned it, like it, it starts with leadership and you have to have leaders who are willing to bring both parties to the table 
because whenever, you know, we have had these conversations over and over again, and finally people essentially just get fed up and they do it themselves. Um, leadership can't then act surprised and shocked that it's all happening. Like this is out of nowhere and these people are acting crazy. Like, no, we've had these conversations and you just didn't want to listen. And so I think um, we have to start making sure that people in power, people in office, um, people in leadership positions are going to hear and they're going to listen and um, take both sides of the argument into consideration rather than um, pushing what they want um, and ignoring the other side because that's how ultimately these things happen. Um, I don't think mobs would be, um, I don't want to say I don't think mobs would be started because I mean ultimately people mob for lots of reasons but I think a lot of the mob mentality can be um, curbed with leadership that listens and understands. And you know what, Antoinette, that's hugely important, mm -hmm. right? Because um, there's a lot of people when they see protest, right? And this is, this is talk, you know, coming from the white majority perspective. A lot of people when they see protest, right, focus on the protestors, the protesting, right? And not what is being protested, right? right? So Kaepernick kneels, right? And we're all focusing on Kaepernick kneeling. It's like, why is he kneeling? <laughs> I was kneeling, you know, so it's, uh, you know, because he doesn't like the troops. He doesn't like America. It's like, what? Like, no, he's trying to bring attention to something, right? And, and, that, and I mean, it's, it's funny how within Christianity, right, there is a history of protesting, right? I mean, I'm a, I'm a Protestant, right? My, my entire religion is called people who protest, right? <laughs> that's, that's what we do, right? The, I mean, Ty, you know, Ty mentioned it, right? The American Revolution, right? It was a revolution, right? It was a throwing off. So, so within Christianity, I think it's funny that now, right, we're in 2020, and when people are protesting, we're so focusing on the protesting, you know, and, and the people, right? And, you know, and nobody's actually asking the question of, hey, wait, what are they protesting about? And so when you're in leadership, I think that's a huge point, Antoinette, is when you're in leadership, if you don't listen, right, and you push people into a corner and force them to then protest so that you can point at them and say, hey, you're protesting, see, I told, it's like, no, 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 that's, that's not the way to do it, right, that we need to learn the lessons of history and say, right, when you're given, right, that particular position of power, it comes with the responsibility, and that responsibility is to listen and to learn, right, it doesn't just mean, okay, now I'm in power, here's how I dictate, right, that's ridiculous, and that's just stupid. It also means that as a leader, I have to be willing to understand that my experience is not the experience of others. You know, as a Latina woman of Mexican ancestry, at least half Mexican ancestry, when you say Texas Rangers, I get an infinitely different opinion in my mind and impression in my mind than most people in the state of Texas or many people in the state of Texas. Right. Um, some of the political phrases that we hear nowadays that get thrown around a lot. Um, when that is uttered, I'm like, really? That's where you want to go? Because it wasn't so great for certain groups of people during that time period. You know, um, there's a historian out of Great Britain, uh, Michael Howard, Sir Michael Howard. You know, he said that a person who hasn't changed their mind or at least entertained changing their opinion about something over the last decade has probably not done a whole lot of thinking. Right. And, and can I tell you that entertaining it even? Mm -hmm. Right, because that's that's the point. We're not we're not saying that everything has to change. Right, right. But the idea of at least entertaining change is so 
um, just foreign to most people, right? The, the, the question, right? I want to listen to other groups. I want to talk to other people, right? It doesn't mean, right? I mean, if, if Daniel Snyder, you know, bought the Redskins and, and the first thing he said is, hey, you know what? I'm going to put a committee together and we're going to talk about should we change the name of the team, right? Then he can come up with it a year later and say, hey, we did this. We, we asked about it. You know, we're not going to change it. Fine. But when the first thing you say is, hey, now that I'm in power, let me dictate how things are going to be, right? And then 10 years later, guess what, right? Now you got forced to change the name, right? Now who's in control of your team? And I think that's the concept that we're, that we're asking is, right, you know, Tamarcus is right. You know, a lot of people, we've been having these conversations forever. Um, you know, at some point, uh, we need to be more concerned about the people that it's affecting as opposed to the statues that are standing up there. Um, and I think we're finally kind of getting to that point where, you know, maybe the, the you know, the, 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 the climate is changing enough right, that we can begin to have these conversations that actually result in change, not just having the conversation for conversation, you know, say, checking it off the box and then moving on and nothing ever changes. Maybe now the point is, hey, change is going to happen whether you want it to or not, and it would be great if you wanted to sit at the table to begin to figure out, you know, maybe you need to change some things too. And I don't want to lose the point that um, as we talk about leaders, oftentimes we talk about those who have governmental power, but the leaders are the teachers in our schools because they are the ones who affect minds. And that's what James says, right? We are held to a higher standard for being teachers. So when we talk about these leaders, that's us. And so we need to be the ones on the forefront of this discussion. Yeah, which means that when we teach in a classroom, right, we're open for discussion, we're open for learning. Right. I mean, Cindy does a great job of it. It's I, I don't want to produce a bunch of kids who know history. I want to know a bunch of kids, teaching a bunch of kids who understand history enough, right, that they can go out there and begin to make a change in their life. Right. It's not about just knowing dates, and times, and facts and figures and, you know, checking off things on a box. Right. It is an understanding and appreciation of so then you can send them into the world to be right, impact leaders and life changers. And I think that's the whole concept. You know, my, my history teachers taught me dates and facts and figures. Right? Didn't do me a blessing. Right. It's like, that's, that's no good. Right. So if we as a Christian school aren't producing, right, students who are looking to make change, and that means that we have to be open to that as well, right, then we're not doing a service to our students and to our community. So thank everyone for joining. Thank you everyone for joining us in this conversation. As you can see, it was a lot more lively. Well, they can't see because if they could see, they would still see Antoinette having her name <laughs> tag on her forehead. Isn't it's, there a game where we do that? You put a thing yes. on your phone. What's that game called? I don't know. Okay. As you can hear, this conversation <laughs> was a lot more lively just because we did not do any prep work going in before. We didn't know where we all stood. Um, but we hope that you enjoyed the dialogue and that you learned something as we learned from each other. So, and we hope that you join us again. Thank you, Antoinette, for being here with us. Um, everyone, please say prayers for her as she heads off to Washington, D.C. in two weeks to start law school. And then as she graduates from law school, really goes into the world and creates change. And so um, please join us again next time. Thank you for listening to Grace 360. As always, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for educational purposes and are not intended to be divisive or inflammatory in nature. We hope you listened and learned as much as we have in the process of producing the show and pray you'll join us for our next episode. You can find us on social media. We would love to have you as part of our discussion with your thoughts and questions. Once again, thank you for listening to Grace 360.